you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 155 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's show, I got some World Series talk, but the bulk of the episode is going to be about Jeff Lunau's interview uh, and the subsequent athletic article that came out on Thursday. So I'm going to be talking some Astros stuff just because it doesn't seem to go away ever. Um, So yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be crapping all over everything that happened there. So I look forward to that. But before I get into the World Series here, please follow us on social media at LockedOnA's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonBee on Twitter. And if you have any mailbag questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. All right, so first things first, we have baseball for a few more days the rest of 2020. And uh, so I'm going to talk about the World Series first. That's what I want to talk about because the World Series should always lead every show. I made that mistake in game one. I felt bad about doing it, but it felt like, uh, you know, the A stuff was more prevalent in that one. Um, But let's talk about game two. I know that it happened on Wednesday, but I still feel like I need to talk about it. So let's talk about it. Uh, A lot of the discussion on Twitter in the middle of this game, especially at the end of the game, was about how many pitching changes there were in this game, in game two of the World Series. Uh, The Dodgers went with a bullpen game, so obviously there was going to be some pitching changes involved. And uh, the most egregious case, though, came when there was two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning, and the Rays were up 6-4, to and Rays manager Kevin Cash made the move to righty, reliever uh, Diego Castillo from left-hander Aaron Loop, who had thrown 11 pitches to record three outs. So he wasn't exhausted or anything like that. He threw 11 pitches. And the traditionalists, the baseball traditionalists, were like, ah, this is ridiculous. Too many bullpen moves and all that stuff. But uh, this is what the Rays do. They play matchups, you guys. So uh, yeah, uh, Diego Castillo came in. He threw three pitches, got Chris Taylor to strike out. So the strategy worked. They won the game. It's now tied 1-1. That's all you can ask for, really, I think. Um, in the postseason, Taylor is 5 for 11 against lefties like Loop, and with a slugging percentage of 909 and, an, and a 1409 OPS. I know that it's only a few at bats, it's 11 at bats, but still. He's raking against lefties right now. Against righties, that 455 batting average that, they, that he has takes a tumble down to 161. He has the same number of hits, 5, but in 31 at bats. So he's obviously struggling against righties as opposed to lefties. That's why you make the move, obviously. Uh, was it annoying that there was a pitching change at that point in the ballgame? I mean, sure, we had to sit through a couple more minutes of commercials for three extra pitches. But it was a smart move to bring in a righty and avoid Mookie Betts getting another at-bat uh, if Taylor had happened to get on. So it makes a lot of sense if you're trying to win the game. Um, so from that aspect, I'm not going to blame Kevin Cash and the Rays for making that move whatsoever. It was the right call in that situation. That's just how the Rays are built, you guys. Uh, if you don't like it, sorry, maybe don't be a Rays fan, I guess. But they're going to play the matchups the best way that they can. That's how they win baseball games. And they did it on Wednesday night. And they got a win against the vaunted Dodgers, who have been to three of the last four World Series, if you have not heard that fact. Uh, yeah, so the Rays apparently know what they're doing. They're good enough to make it to the World Series. They took a game two against the Dodgers right here. 
you can't be mad at how what got him to the dance, okay? So it, it's going to keep happening. Just don't root for him in the World Series if it bugs you, I guess. Uh, all of the Dodgers' runs in Game 2 came on the long ball, which uh, could be a little bit concerning. Uh, Will Smith and Corey Seager hit solo shots off of Nick Anderson and Pete, uh, Pete Fairbanks. Uh, Peter, that guy, he has a face. Um, and, you know, funny enough, Chris Taylor also hit a home run in this game. You know who the starter was? Blake Snell. You know what hand uh, Blake Snell throws with? I'll give you a hint. It's his left. Uh, that wasn't a hint I told you. Um, yeah. And so he hit a two-run shot against Blake Snell. Maybe that's why you take out the lefty to face Chris Taylor and, you know, try and win the game. So it makes perfect sense, especially with how the game was going. Uh, one runner on, all of a sudden you got a uh, tie game written all over that with Mogi Betts coming on. So, uh, yeah. Good, good managing by Kevin Cash on that one. Not mad at him whatsoever. And moving away from all of the bullpen discussion and all that stuff, before the, se- uh, the series started, I questioned whether the Rays could score runs without using the long ball, which is what, that was their bread and butter in the Astros series in the ALCS. And uh, Ulysses Zambrano of the Locked on Rays podcast, he said in order to win, they need contributions from Brandon Lau and other guys in, in their in their lineup. Uh, pr- Mostly Lau, a little bit of Meadows, you know, two of their better hitters. They had not been showing up in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, both the things that we talked about in our uh, discussion earlier this week, they came to fruition in game two. Uh, Brandon Lau, he went two for five with two homers and three RBI. So he brought the long ball. That's what he does. He's a big three outcomes guy. He strikes out. He hits dingers. And then the other outcome. But the Rays also totaled 10 hits, including a two RBI double from former A's legend Joey Wendell. Uh, That added two runs. That's what two RBI means. He added a sack fly later in the game, too. So he finished one for five or something like that with a three RBI. Good for him. Manny Margot also went two for three. He got a walk in there, too. He had a run scored, I believe. Uh, Yeah, they're getting contributions from other people besides Randy Rosarena. And uh, that's going to be a key for them because they've been Dodger pitching a little wary of Rosarena, which is crazy because he is a rookie, but he has been demolishing the ball in the playoffs. So uh, it's not a bad strategy. Make other guys beat you. So go Dodgers on that one. Uh, If the Rays are getting contributions up and down their lineup like they did on Wednesday, though, they're going to be extremely tough to beat. They've got enough pitching. They have a really good pitching staff, maybe the best in baseball. And if they're getting, you know, six runs a game, that should do it most nights, Uh, even against the Dodgers. That should do it. Moving along, we got uh, game three on Friday night. We're going to see the Rays as the home team and Walker tight pants. Bueller is facing off against Charlie CFM Morton CFM. Uh, the F is a curse word. And then the C and the M are his initials. So you can figure that one out on yourself. Uh, also, tight pants is uh, well, that that's he, he wears tight pants. Um, go on Twitter during this game and you will see some memes. Uh, anyways, so the keys for the Rays will be continuing to get contributions from their heavy hitters like Lau and timely hits from guys like Wendell, Zunino, and Margot, maybe even uh, Austin Meadows if he wants to join the fray too. So that's obviously the biggest thing. The the side quest for them in this uh, RPG of a game is going to be limiting how much their quote-unquote good bullpen arms throw because they're not going to be available three days in a row. You also don't want to overexpose them to a, a, a very good Dodgers offense. So you don't want to have them uh, facing these same guys too many times or else they're going to be able to take advantage of that. So you're going to want to get some length out of CFM Charlie Morton. 
and uh, see what you can do with the bullpen there. Maybe you get a big enough lead. You can use some of your your quote unquote less good guys uh, in the bullpen, and that could be a way of to victory for them. Uh, obviously, you want to take whatever games you can if it's on the table. So uh, don't be surprised if you see you know their good bullpen arms and Diego Castillo and Nick uh, Anderson and the rest of the stable. So that is the key for the Rays. You gotta. Limit the exposure of your good bullpen. You got to get some key hits from other guys. For the Dodgers, the key is going to be getting length from Walker Bueller. The Dodger bullpen just doesn't feel as deep as the Rays, so they've been using starters in relief, and that's, you know, fine and good. You get outs with starters too. What, However you get the 27 outs to win the game, that's fine. But they have a couple of relief pitchers that have appeared in both games so far, and that's a little bit concerning. Uh, not even like they're bu- good bullpen guys, just like bullpen guys. And if you overexpose uh, your relievers this early in the series, and you have some of these guys uh, going like three or four times, that could end up being a big advantage for the Tampa Bay batters moving forward in this series if they just keep throwing out these same guys. Because Major League batters will remember facing somebody from two days ago. They know how pitches break the more often they see them. They know the plan of attack. You can't get the same guy out the same way every time. You got to switch it up every every time you face them if you're a pitcher. And uh, the more times that these Dodger bullpen guys go against these Rays batters, the better plan of attack they're going to have moving forward, and it could pay dividends for them moving on in the series. So if you're Walker Bueller and the Dodgers, you need to get some length. Six, seven innings I'm talking about. I know three times through the order is the magic number in uh, today's game, but Walker Bueller, he, he's got some good stuff. See what he can do. See, Maybe give him a little bit more of a leash in this game because he is one of your best pit- starting pitchers, at least. You got him and Kershaw and then see what the rest of the guys give you. But uh, with Bueller, you got to get some length out of him. And uh, not hide the bullpen, but just don't overexpose the bullpen this early in the series. So that's the key for the Dodgers here um, in game three and also moving forward because if they can get a win without exposing their bullpen, then that helps them also, uh, obviously in game three because they got the win. And then also down the, down the line too, because you, you got those extra couple of bullets in your bullpen. So that's what I'm keeping an eye out for, for game three. But coming up in just a minute, I'm going to be talking about the latest in the Astros cheating scandal. So stay locked in with Locked On A's. I will be right back. Today's episode of Locked On A's is brought to you by the best tasting protein bar ever. That's right. We're talking about Built Bar and the improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser than previous versions of Built Bar. So if you haven't been in a while, here's what I got for you. You got 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also have their original 12 flavors. You got to check those out. Salted caramel is the one that's speaking to me right now. That sounds really good, actually. But if you need more convincing, here are some other facts about Belt Bar for you. They are 100% covered in chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are protein bars that taste like candy bars. And all Belt Bars are healthy for you. They are great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treats. And all of their bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. So, now that you're definitely on board with the Belt Bar, all you have to do is go to BeltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, that is one word, LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Also, you get a free cooler with purchase, so... Just go to Bilt Bar. You get a little cooler for your little bars. You get 20% off when you use code LOCKEDON at checkout. And uh, yeah, it's as simple as that. Go to BiltBar.com. Use code LOCKEDON. You get 20% off and a little cooler with your purchase at BiltBar.com. 
Welcome back to the Locked On Ace Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you like podcasts. Also, please follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send your questions to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So on Monday, a Houston area TV station, I don't remember the name of it, uh, they aired a 37-minute interview with former Astros GM Jeff Luno. Uh, that's newsworthy in most regards, but I watched it that night online and I figured it wasn't really worth talking about because I had no idea whether he was telling the truth or not. So uh, I didn't talk about it, but I am today because there are new reports. So we're going to get into that here in just one sec. Uh, basically, my takeaways real quick were uh, his voice seemed to be quivering at times. Uh, quavering? Quivering. One of those two. You know where it shakes? It goes like that. He, he was doing that a lot. So I did some quick internet searches, found out that that's not usually how he talks. So I was like, eh, maybe there's something up with that. I don't know. Speculation. Um, yeah, he was talking to uh, Mike the Mad Dog and he sounded regular. And then in this interview, he sounded like he was sad or mopey or something like that. Uh, so that's interesting. But uh, the big news that came out on Thursday is that Evan Drellick of The Athletic is pinning them down again. Gotta love Evan Drellick for all the work that he does with The Athletic. Uh, I'm going to go into everything that he wrote in a minute, but I want to go through some of my notes from the Lunau interview because I did, sorry, Luno, not Lunau, uh, because I did take notes. I just didn't know that they would be good. So here are my notes. Uh, note one, I have some notes. <laughs> There's a few of these. Uh, he said that MLB sent word to teams that uh, the Astros may be cheating, but he, quote, didn't think we were doing anything, so I didn't pursue it. So that's just negligence. He also mentioned that a coach or two or some amount of coaches were wearing Apple watches uh, with the Astros as well. And he made uh, that coach or coaches uh, stop wearing those in the dugout because the Red Sox had been busted for the Apple watch scandal. And uh, so I, I don't know if they were also using Apple watches at some points in time, but uh, maybe. I mean, this team has a history of cheating, so you can make your own assumptions as to whether or not they were also using Apple watches, but... He seemed to think that they were not and that he stopped it. So there's that. Uh, he hangs the video room out to dry, which is just bonkers to me. He's like, yeah, my subordinates, they're the ones that were the masterminds behind all of this. Not me, the GM of everything. Uh, so I thought that was really funny. He was just trying to clear his name by throwing other people under the bus, but not naming them, just like general job positions that were out there. Uh, he said that they were the, the video room people were sharing texts like, don't tell Jeff and stuff like that. Uh, he, he really went hard at the low level employees that, you know, would have a harder time finding a job than super genius Jeff Luno. So there's that. He also expressed some frustration that some of the people that were involved in the plan are still employed by the Astros, like the people that were uh, doing the video room and all that stuff, and that at least one of them has been promoted. And uh, yeah, we're all frustrated about that too, Jeff. That's why we're mad at the Astros, because literally nothing happened to them. The people that did all of the cheating and the people that made it all happen are still there. That's why we're all outraged. Uh, I was going to say this for later, but he says that he still roots for the Astros. So that's just mind boggling to me. He also seemed mad at Jim Crane, but didn't want to say that because he doesn't want to burn bridges because Jim Crane has lots of money. Um, also, he had this quote, which was great. Uh, quote, I knew a lot of people would speak to me, basically uh, speak to his character and defend him in public and all that stuff. And I found that really funny because literally nobody has so there's that. Um, 
Yeah, I haven't heard anybody defend Jeff Luno. People have stood up for A.J. Hinch and been like, I mean, he tried, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Jeff Luno, they're like, fuck that guy. Uh, yeah, this is going to be an explicit podcast now. Uh, Luno also takes a page out of today's political landscape and offers very broad defenses for what happened under his watch, saying, uh, quote, this evidence that would have cleared my name, dot, dot, dot. Uh, and all that. He, he said that a bunch of times. Like, they wouldn't even take in this evidence. They would have cleared my name and all that. He said all of that a, a whole ton. And uh, I just thought that it was silly because I'm like, if it's so important and, you know, real, uh, why why not go into a little bit more detail? You had 37 minutes on this broadcast here. I also really liked the part of the interview because it was really funny and egocentric of him uh, when he said many times that basically the whole investigation was a witch hunt to get him specifically. They needed to punish Jeff Luno for something. So this is what they did. Uh, and I mean... Given that the team he runs cheated to win a World Series, he should be fired for at least negligence, right? Whether or not he knew, he should be fired for negligence and not stopping it from happening or knowing that it was happening or anything like that. Uh, that's a culture problem. If you're hiring a bunch of guys that think that it's okay to cheat, that's the players that he drafted and signed and the employees that he hired. So, yeah, it, it, it all comes down to him, right? He hired all these people. They all, per, you know, went together against him. Whoa, witch hunt. Anyways, uh, he also talked briefly about the uh, Topman situation where his GM subordinate, I'm going to call everybody that was below him a subordinate because uh, technically it's true. And also that seems like how he feels about people. So anyways, Topman, if you don't remember, he's the guy that was yelling at female reporters like, yeah, we fucking got Ozuna. He's the best. Woo. Uh, at female reporters uh, right after the Astros had clinched their ticket to the uh, World Series in 2019. So that was a whole thing last year around this time. And he kind of took this time to make himself out like the victim a little bit. Uh, he said that legal, marketing, PR, all those people uh, wrote up the press release that uh, followed the incident, uh, which was legitimately one of the worst pieces of PR that I've ever seen. It basically said that the initial report from Sports Illustrated was an attempt to fabricate a story where one does not exist. So they just denied it, which uh, came out. It super happened. And that's funny not funny at all it should never have happened it was ridiculous and uh yeah they just kept doubling down on we this didn't happen what are you guys talking about we you wanted to fire this guy why he's a great guy he's a great person and it uh, turns out he's not he's a dickhead um so basically he doesn't take the blame for writing that bs statement but he said that he did see it before it went out and now he thinks that he should have stopped it and, and instead of trusting the people that were professionals or writing statements like this that know what they're doing and all that. So he has regret about not stopping it, I guess. But that, sure, I, I mean, yeah, you, you see the blowback. Tw hindsight's twenty twenty, you guys. Uh, kind of simple to see that that was a big mistake anyways. Maybe do an internal investigation and say, hey, we're going to do an internal investigation see what we find. That would have been easier. That was off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, that, that would have been my statement. I'm like, oh, we take these things very seriously. Obviously, we don't like domestic abuse, even though we traded for them at uh, depressed market value. But, you know, obviously we're against that, so we should really do an internal review. That would have been the statement, something like that. Uh, just rambling off the top of my head. But, yeah, these legal professionals, they know what they were doing. Anyways, 
Anyways, back to the Jeff Lunau pity party. Uh, he said that at the World Series, he had to talk about this whole statement and everything that happened uh, at the World Series press conference and that he was attacked by every media outlet in the country, which gross exaggeration. Uh, but also he just wanted us to feel sympathy for him because he didn't write the statement itself. He still allowed it to go out and it was on his watch. He oversees all of baseball operations. That's kind of what he's known for. And I don't think that anybody should feel sorry for him because he is legitimately the face of the front office. Even if he didn't write the statement, the guy that he hired made the, made the comments that made the statement get released. The statement was also trash. And uh, so, yeah, part of the job description at that point is to talk to the media when one of your subordinates says some crazy shit. That's what your job is. Also, building, you know, an empire and whatnot in Houston. Uh, but, you know, this is a culture issue and you hired all of these people. That's why you had to talk. And that's why your ass is on the line. And, uh, yeah, that's how this works. Uh, if <laughs> Quick side note. I've been swearing a lot lately. Once I threw a one swear and it, all bets are off. So you can see how much swearing I have to limit uh, on a on a regular basis. Uh, this one's going full explicit. Anyways, uh, ba basically, he said that he rooted for the Astros. Here. That was my last note on him. And I know that I mentioned it, but uh, guy's a piece of work is all I'm going to say there. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the fun part of the discussion. And that is the athletic report. Uh, from Thursday and the report basically is he's lying. He knew about the whole situation. He knew about the cheating. Uh, but here's what I wrote down. They're reporting that sources with direct knowledge of the MLB investigation into the Astros cheating scandal say that there is evidence that Jeff Luno was aware of the whole cheating scandal. Uh, I'm summarizing a lot. There's a lot in this article. Uh, go check it out. It's excellent work by Evan Drellick on The Athletic. So uh, check it out. It's like his top article right now. Um, also, of course he knew. Again, my initial take was always he either knew about it and covered his tracks and lied about uh, knowing and all that stuff, or he just had no clue what was going on the field for like seven months. And for a front office as involved and analytically driven as Houston's, do you really think that he did not know? Uh, those sources also tell Drellick that there was direct testimony that Luno knew about the cheating scandal and as well as other types of evidence that were held against him that would hold up in a court of law. So, you know, it seems like good evidence. Um, also, there's this piece from the article. It says, quote, uh, the best interpretation of evidence is that Luno either knew exactly what the video room was doing or knew generally what they were doing and willfully chose to keep himself in the dark. So, yeah, Jeff Luno didn't do himself any favors by telling a bunch of you know, crackpot lies in this one. Uh, also, the interview itself. Uh, I'm going to talk about that for just one sec. It seemed weak uh, to me because we've been waiting to hear from him for um, uh, seven, eight months now. Uh, we wanted to know what he had to say, and this is what we came up with. Uh, the questions felt like they had to be pre-approved by Jeff Luno just so they could get the interview. And uh, basically, that made it so that he could tell his version of the story where there were no follow-ups on anything that the reporter asked. Each answer was followed by basically another question off of a list. So basically, that's what you need to know with this whole Jeff Luno talk uh, and all that stuff. Uh, it's interesting, but... Not a lot of meat on this bone. It's just rehashing a bunch of old stuff and basically just confirming old assumptions that, you know, I had and probably the rest of us all had. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's the Jeff Luno part of this episode. And, you know, actually, that's the episode for for today and this week. Uh, but next week, I'm going to be talking about the World Series for as long as it goes, because baseball, you guys. Um, also, I'm going to be out of town this weekend, so hopefully I have one up on Monday. If not, uh, I got in late and I didn't have time to record, but I will be watching all the games and I'll be tweeting along as much as I can. Uh, I'll 
going to be out of town with the family and all that stuff. So that's what I'm doing. But uh, I will be talking about the World Series, obviously, on the podcast for next week. And I also got a small list of trade candidates that uh, are kind of intriguing, and I'm a little excited to share. And they're not big dollar guys like Francisco Lindor. I know that that one's far-fetched, but, you know, I I laid out how it could come to fruition. Uh, These other guys are definitely, and they're they're minimum uh, salary guys. So, but I think that they could have a big impact on the A's potentially. So I'm going to be going over those guys. Is there an under-the-radar trade that you want the A's to make? Let me know on Twitter at LockedOnA's, or you can email us at LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. But anyway, that is it for me today, you guys. Uh, So stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks, get your votes in, and I will talk with you guys at some point next week.